When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. It's time! One round in the rookie ADP division. Introducing first, the challenger. He's fighting out of Cleveland, Ohio. You know him as the ATM at ATM4D Chess on Twitter. It's Adam! And his challenger. This man is a quarterback horde specialist. Fighting out of the great Hawkeye state of Iowa. He hails from the Mississippi River region of Dubuque. You know him as the McNutted at Iowa. Michael on Twitter. It is McNutted. And as the action begins, the referee in charge will be you. The Dynasty Degenerates. What's going on, um, baby? We are in the building. Let's go. Let's get it. Man, I feel I feel I feel official. I got the McNutted intro, Bruce Buffer style. Shit. Let's let's go. Let's kill go, it. Dynasty Degenerates. Let's kill it. So, what we're gonna do tonight, Adam and I did six rookie drafts over the weekend, pre-NFL rookie drafts that we had talked about on the last show. We did six of them. We tracked the ADP from all of them, and we're going to talk our thoughts on it, interesting players, our shares, our exposure. So let's stop. Let's stop pussyfooting around, right? Let's get right into it. How we doing, man? You doing good? You ready for this? I'm excited. I'm ready, man. There is not an episode of 4D where I'm not ready and excited, man. They, they don't exist. They do not exist. Hell yes. All right. We'll start right at the top. First one, as we go across, for you, the listener at home. Dynasty Degenerates, who do you think? 101. Who who do you think is consensus? Easy money, right? 
Easy Brees money. Hall went six for six. This man was hot from downtown. Man. Six for six. Number one pick. Of course, you walked away with three shares because your teams were shittier than mine. That's the obvious <laughs> explanation. Yeah. Right? You know, it, and especially because we're talking 4D, you know, it's just, I guess I just picked a direction better. But, hey, it's it's cool. You know, my teams suck. And that's by design, baby. By design. I love it. You should have hit me with the, uh, yeah, but you had a you had a worse pick than I did, and you didn't win any money from these leagues. So who did it right? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. <laughs> the Dynasty Degenerates, but hell, since we since we went there, uh, Dynasty Degenerates, let, let, let's Mike. Let's talk to them about what's going on after Brees Hall, which is the easy. I had one share. You had you had another. So that's four of six. Four out of the six drafts. Four D was riding home with Brees Hall. We, we got to love that, right? I love it, man. I love Brees taking him one clear cut. I don't think there was any dissension there. I took him once. You took him three times. Two other people unaccounted for, not you or I, also agree with us that he should have been the first pick off six for six. But number two, Link this Wills. is where it gets interesting because Dynasty Degenerates, number two is a clear cut by the six drafts. But the person that two was surpassed. In two different drafts by two different people. Mike, you want to hit on that? So we do have one, two drafts where Malik Willis went third overall and not second overall. So that leads us to the next one. We'll talk about this guy, Kenny Walker. Our average ADP went third overall. Yeah. Coincidentally weird for us, too, because we are big Kenny Walker fans. Neither one of us walked away with a share of Kenny Walker. Out of any of these drafts, it, it really hurt. It hurts my soul that I didn't get a single Kenny Walker, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. That one kind of hurts. So Kenny Walker has a high draft position of two overall in the rookie draft. A little strange, a little spicy, if you will, right? Getting up there a little bit, and he's got a low of fourth. He went fourth four times. I, I just like how the numbers just synergize here. Fourth four times. So Kenny Walker fourth four times, high of two. One other draft, he went three. The guy after him, Isaiah Spiller, came in fourth in ADP, and he went second overall one time. Wasn't to you or I. Somebody else is a bigger Isaiah Spiller fan than you and I, right, Adam? This is kind of it I was kind of interesting to see when that, it happened. That that was the one I was trying to get to, and that shocks me. I I love Isaiah Spiller, man. I still like. If he gets the draft capital, I still have him as my running back, too. But pre-NFL draft, what we know today, Mike, taking him ahead of Malik Willis and Kenny Walker, I can't get on board with that. I'm sorry. I I can't do it. And uh, was it Asterix that did that in best balls? I forget who did it. But whoever did it in best balls, that too, man, that is go get your guy season. Holy shit. It could still work out okay, right? But yeah, yeah. A lot of these pre NFL drafts, and I know you are in the same mindset when I'm doing it. It's all about risk and reward. How risky do you want to be? How much conviction do you have in some of these guys? And it's reading the the draft capital room, projected draft capital. And I just said I'm with you. I think there's too many question marks on Isaiah Spiller for me to make that kind of move. Like I want to be risky. Not so much in the first round. I'm trying to avoid the strikeout because if Isaiah Spiller goes in the fourth or the fifth round of the NFL draft, he took him two overall in a rookie draft. Yeah, 
4D wants to be calculated. That 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 carries too much negative risk, in my opinion, at, at two there. So Isaiah Spiller does have that high of two overall. He also went ninth. That's his low. So he fell all the way to the ninth spot in one draft, which is also a little bit shocking. Because generally he was kind of in that like four, five, six range, somewhere in that ballpark, which I thought was a very safe, reasonable. As far as shares go, I walked away with three Isaiah Spiller shares. One of them I traded up for. If I'm not mistaken, I traded the 112 and the 206 to move up to 108 to grab Isaiah Spiller. You walked away with only one share of Isaiah Spiller. You're supposed to be the bigger Isaiah Spiller stand than me. What's going on, man? Talk to me about that. Listen, at some point, the draft value is just too good, right? Three shares. None of them. So we have two fours. He was taken at fourth twice, not me. Six, nine, and eight. I guarantee those were my three. can almost guarantee that that's where I took them. If you remember, I think you took him fourth one time in one draft, and that was your one share, correct? Yeah, that's – and that was one of those where consensus one, two, three went, and that was probably a little rich for most right now, but that was where I was comfortable with the Isaiah Spiller risk. I think the first one that comes really shocking for both of us is Drake London, where he slots in. So he would be our fifth rookie off the board in ADP. He has a low of ninth, but he has a high of three, which actually happened twice. Somebody drafted Drake London at three overall twice in two separate leagues. Very interesting. What are your feelings on that? I know there's a lot of conversation we've talked with people where I, I do still have him as my wide receiver one in the class. Some people still believe he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. Completely understandable. But taking a wide receiver at three overall with, you know, the other things that were left on the board, like first example, Kenny Walker still on the board. Matt Corral went fifth in that draft. Isaiah Spiller went sixth. Traylon Burks went seven. Kenny Pickett eight. Garrett Wilson went nine. Right. So you take, I don't think there's a lot of gap between Garrett Wilson and Drake London, right? You can get whoever preferences, but just how that draft sequence works out. The first wide receiver goes at three and a guy goes at ninth, the last wide receiver. And I think they're extremely close in value projection, that kind of thing. So kind of shocking to me, especially for that draft. Of course. I mean, I listen, if you're tuning in this far along to 4D and you've been listening to us, you, you know, you know, McNutted and ATM are not for taking Drake London here at three. But, Mike, I'll say this. We, we discussed this just a little bit ago on a team review. I, I'm, I'm in a startup right now, Mike, that Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and uh, Traylon Burks all went ahead of, like, solidified top 15 wide receivers in the dynasty space. Ahead of all of them, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, guys that we really like, right, and have proven it on the field. As much as the tantalizing upside of some of these receivers is to go straight up ahead of them in a startup, that that one is rookie fever. And then two, I think the other the other big piece, Mike, is when I look at both of these, right, both times that Drake London went three, one, two, were Brees and Malik Willis. I think. That pretty much is a clear-cut Tier 1. And they bas- basically, Drake London went ahead of Kenneth Walker. And there's a lot of people that don't like the 22 quarterback class as a whole. So 
I think what it's actually kind of speaking to, Mike, is the landscape shift. Not that we, you and I believe in this, but there is a a big piece of the landscape in the space that believes we're going to get our receivers early. We're going to go get them. We're going to lock down a bunch of these receivers, utilize all of our receiver spots and our flex spots on receivers. Right or wrong, I think that's part of why that happened twice. I, I don't know that it's something you're going to see a lot of, but it happened twice in six drafts. I mean, that, that's that's a third, right? Like, so it's something that you could very well see in your drafts and something to keep in mind if you're listening Dynasty Degenerates to this. I think it's very interesting. I know last week in the Heisman, so patreon.com forward slash all gas, get in there. You can get some really deep discussions with Ray not doing content, right? Not recording something or for a show. Just just guys in there shooting the shit or girls, guys or girls, people in there shooting the shit just on a random Wednesday, we'll call it, at 11 a.m. One of the discussions we were ha- having was he was digging into some data and he's, he's looking at hit rates by draft position in the NFL. And I don't want to put words in the mouth because I don't remember the exact number, but the wide receiver hit rate of round one NFL draft wide receivers isn't that great. It, I mean, you're looking at best at like a one in three shot of being right and this guy actually hitting. And that's only for, you know, a top 12 season or a top 24. He had it broken down. Not the most inspiring. Same thing. Running backs are better. Running backs are better. Their hit rates are better. It's not It's not a whole lot, but it's enough to, you know, the 5 10%. You know, you just hit RB2. It, it's almost, almost perfect for round one running backs who go to give you an RB2 season at some point. Whereas the wide receivers, on the other hand, I mean, if you're looking at a one in three, one in four chance, we got three wide receivers here. Who's to say that you didn't just pick the one of the guys who's not going to hit? It's tough to project. The odds aren't in your favor. I don't know if that's a risk I'm willing to take, especially with that early draft capital. Yeah. If I'm going to think- miss, I'd rather miss on a quarterback or a running back who I think have a safer fallout. Right. If if you take Kenny Walker, all right, we won't we won't include Isaiah Spiller because we think you know he still has some draft capital question marks. But it's pretty safe to say that I think Kenneth Walker is getting the draft capital that we covet, right? He's going yes, he's going in the first round, or he's going some point fairly good in round two, I would imagine. At worst, you're looking at an early round three running back. Pretty highly coveted by the NFL. If you take Kenny Walker at three. And he doesn't do much his rookie year, right? He's a bust. He's only going to fall a few rounds going into next year in ADP in a startup. Whereas a guy like Drake London, if you take him at three and he does nothing, has a bad rookie year, has a Jalen Rager and a Kill Harry type rookie year, you're going to be lucky to get out of that guy for a mid to late second round pick. Somebody pay for it because there's so many of these guys. The positional scarcity isn't there. People aren't willing to invest that much when they can go find four, five, six other guys with similar value. So when I'm doing a draft, this thing is all going through my mind. It's not just a, I'm a running back guy, fuck the wide receivers. It's a, this is why, because I know what happens if I miss on this wide receiver. I love Drake London to death, but if he busts in the NFL, I'm not going to be shocked. 
And there's a realistic possibility that happens. And I'm trying to think about how I get out from under that. What's it look like next year if he does bust? Whereas I kind of have a clearer picture on what happens with Kenny Walker if he busts. So that's just my two cents on this whole why I'm not taking a wide receiver at three with a guy like Kenny Walker on the board or a a quarterback on the board, even though they kind of have some draft capital question marks. I don't share some of those sentiments with the quarterbacks, as we've established, but that's my reasoning behind it. 100%. I think the last thing I will will, want to touch on before we move on from, you know, Drake Lennon here, this discussion. Mike, I liken this a lot to the 2019 class because of the the discussion on the class as a whole, right? 2020, 2021, both of those classes around this time were talked about as you really want a lot of guys in that class, right? There was a lot of people that, you know, all the quarterbacks in 2021. 2020 was jam-packed so so much that Justin Herbert was going late first round because there's all, all these great players in 2020. 2019, that class had a little more of the stink on it that wasn't like, all these guys are going to be premier NFL fantasy stars, right? Superstars in your lineup. So, and the reason I want to bring that up and talk about Drake London is the supposed can't miss receiver in the 2019 class was Nikhil Harry, right? And by ADP at the time, Nikhil Harry was coming off the board at 103, right? And I also compare this class a lot to that because okay, there, there were some receivers in that class, and there was basically three running backs that everybody really wanted a piece of. And I think right now, as long as Spiller gets day two draft capital, that's kind of what this class looks like too. Now, if you think about the 2019 class and how that transpired over time, right now, when we sit here today, April 6, 2022, none of these running backs are really great as far as what they're going to do for you in startup picks, right? What their dynasty value is. But when you talk about 2020, the summer of 2020 in startups, Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders were both going in back half of the first to mid to late second at the absolute latest. Let me tell you, Nikhil Harry was going absolutely nowhere near that. And And he was drafted ahead of those running backs every single time. And even David Montgomery, who was going later, there was some concern about him. He, he's held value way better than a lot of the players in that class. Um, the two exceptions would be basically DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, who we know are phenomenal receivers, top five locked and loaded guys. But when I think about this, as far as using the third pick, Mike on Drake London, and, and, and I get all that out about 2019, like use history sometimes as a lesson dynasty degenerates of if Drake London doesn't hit on all cylinders, you're probably looking at a severe value dip from what you're spending at one Oh three. I think that's one of the big takeaway points here is whether Drake London hits or misses, we don't know, but using one Oh three on him, you you have to have him absolutely smash or where you where you've utilized the value of 103 is going to be a big miss for you as far as what you've done with drafting Drake Leonard at 103 that Miles Sanders one will stick with me forever too because not the greatest rookie year he had some moments had kind of a nice finish to the end of the year from a receiving standpoint and a little bit better as a runner when the Eagles didn't have any weapons and then it was a real debate Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs. And then it was the Miles Sanders hype train into the first round. And he went there. 
can be disappointed in year two. And where was Miles Sanders going again heading into last year's startups? Going in that third, fourth round range, just about everyone. People were yep. still in on Miles Sanders. You and I, you yep. and I both. I'm still in on Miles Sanders. I still like Miles Sanders, but the cost yep. has fallen. But it's taken three full years of Miles Sanders to finally get down to a point where he's like the ninth, tenth round startup range. Right. And Nikhil Harry was at that point instantaneous after year one. That's how quickly he tumbled down the boards. Miles Sanders has taken three disappointing years where people are just waiting, just waiting. And he's finally at the same point that Nikhil Harry was two years ago. And it was so quick with Nikhil Harry, Mike, that unless you pivoted in like the first month, the value loss was too deep to recover. Right. And that, that I'm not saying Drake Lennon is going to be Nikhil Harry. Please do not mistake that for what I'm saying. Dynasty degenerates. I, I think Drake Lennon is a great wide receiver prospect. I expect him to do well in the NFL. The point is though, if you utilize a top three pick on a wide receiver and he does not smash right away, the value loss is going to be pretty real. Same thing could be said for a guy like Jalen Rager. Yes. Howie Roseman just ruining my life with all these Eagles picks, but we'll continue to talk about him. Jalen Rager is another guy. A lot of people had him as dynasty, you know, rookie wide receiver one in that class or very close to it at the very worst. And a lot of people spent mid to late first round pick on Jalen Rager and took him over guys like Justin Jefferson, right? That was yes. the, the solid play. Yes. I saw it quite a bit. Yes. If you didn't get off Jalen Rager right away when you first started getting some inklings, which I can't blame you if you didn't because it happens so fast where you're like, I got to be patient. This guy's a rookie. And then pretty soon the trade deadlines pass and now you're stuck with Jalen Rager. You were lucky to get out at a mid second round pick the following year. It's very hard to do. The tumble happens right. so fast. Right. It doesn't happen in Superflex to the extent that it does for wide receivers with running backs and quarterbacks. So that's usually why I'm leaning that direction. So if we're talking about spending a, a third overall rookie pick, it sure as hell isn't going to be a wide receiver for me. No. Regardless of what my team needs. I'm just going BPA. I'll figure it out later. I'll go try to get some different wide receivers with my Kenny Walker if I have too many running backs or my Matt Corral or whoever the hell I decide to take with that third pick. I'll make trades later. I'm not going to lock myself into taking a wide receiver. Yeah, 100%, man. So right after Drake London, off the board, Traylon Burks, another wide receiver. So he slots in at sixth overall for us in ADP. He's got a low of 10th overall in a rookie draft and he's got a high of five. He went fifth three times. So he's right at that. We have him averaged out at 6.33, but six overall Traylon Burks. I thought it was appropriate. Neither one of you or I ended up with any Traylon Burks. Coincidentally, Drake London just got done bashing him, but I remember getting that like the eighth or the ninth spot. Yeah. I took a Drake London share. An and that's my wide, that, that's my wide receiver one off the board. I didn't really like the other options on the board, like quarterback-wise. I think I probably had enough. <laughs> Coincidentally, there was another draft that we did where I literally took every rookie quarterback that was available. The entire literally quarterback class that matters. <laughs> yes. I missed out on Carson Strong in the mid-to-back part of the second round, but the rest of them, if they're in that first round or Desmond Ritter in that early part of the second round, I took them all. I got them all. <laughs> so. It was Pokemon, man. Got to have them all. 
Gotta catch them all, right? The Infinity Stones. I'm inevitable. <laughs> of course, I'm going to QB hoard, even in a rookie draft. I love it. Right after Traylon Burks, QB2. Off the board by ADP, Mackerel. And low... I think, Mike, this is where... Although Traylon went at 10, right? Uh, in his low spot. I think right about here is where it, it gets pretty polarizing as far as the highs and lows of the players. And you're going to start to see this if you were to go across. There are going to be some drafts where Matt Corral goes late, and there's going to be some drafts where he kind of is middling. And, and as you get down the list, right, it, it gets very polarizing as far as the difference in the the spots that they're being taken in six different drafts. Yeah, outside of Malik Willis with all these quarterbacks that follow after, you can tell that the community – Whoever people are listening to, they're very split on this quarterback class. Yes. They don't know what to do with it. They've heard so much bad stuff. They've heard, you know, you and I, if they listen to us out here, just touting this class up, like, stop fading them. <laughs> stop being an idiot. Right. right. So yeah. they have polar opposites fighting, and you can tell with, with draft position and the way it shook out. So Matt Corral did fall next in line, seventh overall. He does have a low draft position of 10, and he went three times at five. The other two yep. times we're at seven. So he yep. slots in at 6.5 for us. The Matt Corral at 10 was kind of interesting. That was one that kind of stood out to me, but that was we'll my get... share for what it's worth. My... You got Matt Corral at 10? I love I did. it. That was my one share of Matt Corral. And it's not nothing against Matt Corral. I love Matt Corral, but just happened to be I had 10 and I could not. I I was floored when the 10th pick came up. You were on the clock, Matt Corral sitting there. Nice. Well, combined between the two of us, we ended up with four shares. I took three, and apparently you're one and only share at well, 10. I mean, you can't I, beat I, that, right? I mean, I think I think when you talk about skewing the data, I mean, the reason I didn't get him at 10 more often is because Mike <laughs> took him at five three times. I mean, you know, let, let, let's keep it real, right? Like, I we love Matt Corral over here. We love Matt Corral. We love Matt Corral over here. Just by aggregate, right? There's got to be a seven <laughs> in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'll give you one seven. I'll give you one seven. I love it. Next, right off the board, right behind him, Kenny Pickett. So he has a low of 10, but he also has a high of three. And He's that is that, 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 that three, Mike, fits that league. Mike and I started did a startup last year, and it got to be so crazy around the third, fourth round. We're like, we're gonna call this the Arkham Asylum. It is just chaos, madness. And it, it, the name fits again with Kenny Pickett going his highest. Mike, when you read this across, think about this. Eight in best balls, eight in snake balls, 10 in AAF, seven in our shit patron league, and six in the Rusty Tromboners. And then three in Arkham Asylum. The name still fits, baby. The next year. It still does. It still does, Arkham. I'm more impressed that you went right over the word rusty truck boners. <laughs> you didn't crack a smile. Or bravo to you. Because I'm an immature asshole. I, I was doing my best to not giggle like a little girl. But I love it, man. Yeah, three, three and ten. What a wide range. But yes, of course, three has to come in Arkham Asylum. Like you said, fit the name. Uh, with Kenny Pickett. You ended up with two shares, two shares yeah. of Kenny Pickett. I ended up with one. So we, we 50%, we cleaned up on Kenny Pickett. Yep. How are you feeling about him? Right. I, I think when it shakes out with the ADP, I think this is the right spot. The right so, spot. So, so, so Mike, um, 
and Dynasty Degenerates too, to kind of give you a little bit of an inside, you know, a little insight into what I was doing in a lot of these. So in Snake Balls and in AAF, those two leagues, right? Those were leagues I had pushed everything in. So in those two drafts, I didn't really have much as far as draft capital. The other leagues, I had picked the other direction. So in the leagues that I had picked the direction of, you know, rebuild or, you know, retool or productive struggle, whatever you want to call it, I had multiple picks in the first round. And I don't necessarily, I'm not forcing myself into a timeline of I have to go win this season. So I think part of the reason, Mike, that I had Kenny Pickett twice is because of where you see those landing spots outside of three, which I didn't take them. Like it's now to the point to me where it's a value anywhere at, you know, seven and eight. Like I'm, I'm hitting the button on Kenny Pickett all day because in those builds, if I, if you're telling me I got a chance to get in Kenny Pickett, who I believe is going to be a top 10 quarterback and I just get to slide him into my, you know, rebuild team, whether that's him playing on my team for a full season as a rookie, if he doesn't even play for half the season, whatever the case may be, if I have to trade him, I'm good with that. And I know the value of quarterback at Superflex with a guy that's got top 10 draft capital. That's someone in the back half of the first round in Superflex. I'm just, the decision's kind of been made by everyone in front of me. That, that That's why I took Kenny Pickett twice. It's not that I don't love or hate Kenny Pickett. It's just the value's too real where I took him. Understandable, understandable. I also did, you know, I got one of Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Why not? And of course it is in, it is, it was in a league, <laughs> was in a league. Actually, this is two, but I traded Kenny Pickett before the draft was even over in Snake Balls. I love that. Damn, I love what you did, too. Player shares were just sitting on one. The draft actually ended, and I still had Kenny Pickett on my team because I did trade away Kenny Pickett plus Mac Jones, I believe, right? And got Kyle Pitts, Mike Gusecki, and a 24 second, something along those lines. Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett sent away for Kyle Pitts. Mike Kiseki in a 24 second, I believe, is what the final deal was. And if you're listening back home and you're thinking, what the hell just happened? You're you're tuned in correctly. And Mike absolutely did the McNutted thing. And no one in the league outside of you know him and the, the manager that made the trade with him has any idea what the hell happened. <laughs> Listen, that offer got sent to me. And then after some some fancy countering back and forth, you know, we call Drawn that we call, we call that finesse. Call finesse. That finesse. After some finesse, right? And drawing the line that I went full QB horde, and you're going to pay the price that I want. That's that's where it ended up on. So out here dripping in finesse. The filthy, dirty McNutted quarterback horde. Slotting right in after Kenny Pickett is Garrett Wilson, separated by 0.17 in average for draft mm-hmm. position. So Garrett Wilson has a low draft position of nine, and a high of six. Right, not a big range yeah. on Garrett Wilson, kind of just going in the same thing. So six, 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 nine, eight, and eight, respectively, across the board. Uh, we both ended up walking away one QB or one Garrett Wilson share each. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the Garrett Wilson share that I walked away with, I took him and Drake London back to back. Yeah, you did. That. You're right. Yep. A league that I uh, I was pretty deep at running back. I don't know if I passed on. Isaiah Spiller, not. I think he might have already been gone. You might have sniped him from me. So I just like, well, we'll just double tap wide receiver here and I'll get two of them. 
Straylon had gone a little bit earlier, but this right here, Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Kenny Walker, Isaiah Spiller, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Garrett Wilson. Clear-cut tier. Easy. Because yeah. next comes a pretty massive tier break in ADP, which I think is very appropriate, right? The uh, These picks going on down one through nine, where Garrett Wilson fell at nine, Brees Hall at one. What do you yeah. think about this when you actually see it on ADP? Just how big the gap is between Garrett Wilson and the number 10 player off the board in these drafts. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Mike, because I think the reason, especially right now, is Sam Howell. And I think, especially pre-draft, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons to be reserved about what you're going to do with Sam Howell. I mean, if Sam Howell does not end up as a first-round draft capital guy for me, Mike, it's going to be tough. We've talked about this. It's going to be tough. But if the guy ends up as a first-round quarterback, Mike, if you're getting him at a 10.67, I'm I'm ecstatic. So I think that is a big reason why there's such a clear tier break, right? If Sam Howell does not end up a first-round quarterback in the real NFL draft, I, I think this is appropriate, though, because there's a sizable gap, right? You have the three wide receivers that we feel best about. You have the three running backs that we feel best about. And then you have those quarterbacks that right or wrong, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett feel like the more sure things to have a chance to be first round quarterbacks. And and so I think right now, given the information we have today, Mike, that's why that is the tear break because you're getting too risky outside of that. And it's, you know, whether it's Jamison Williams coming off the injury that he's going to be, he's currently dealing with George Pickens, who's coming off of an injury, getting down further into the, you know, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, are they going to get first round draft capital? And then, you know, the, the Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson types, they just don't equate to currently what we know today about Garrett Wilson and up. So yeah, Jamison Williams comes off as the quote unquote 10th player off the board, 10.50. And Jamison Williams had a low draft position of 13, which is my fault. I did that. And a high draft position of nine. Um, Right next to him, though, which you just touched on with Sam Howell, separated by 0.17 points, 10.67 average draft position for Sam Howell. These two are neck and neck. Is, you know, Sam Howell's going off a late of 12 and an early of 10. So, again, not a lot of range, what you're talking about, that 10, 11, 12. And people are shooting their shot on Sam Howell at the back end. Either that is a fantastic payoff or you overdrafted what could be a second-round NFL quarterback by a few spots, right? Correct. I think that's a reasonable risk to take in these pre-NFL rookie drafts. I especially ended up with two shares of Sam Howell, one of Jamison Williams, but preferably I would have loved that Jamison Williams share to be a Sam Howell share, right? That's a gamble at this point I'm willing to make. Unlike – making that same gamble with like a Drake London, what we talked about earlier, right? I'm not, I don't feel good about that one. The Sam Howell, if I'm spending the 10th, 11th, 12th pick on, it's not going to feel good if I miss, but it doesn't hurt as bad, right? It's not like missing on the third pick. (laughs) A little little more palatable. So yeah, these two, neck and neck. 
So uh, Sam Howe, you didn't end up with any. Jameson Williams, you didn't end up with any. Just because you weren't in a good position or because you're yeah. drafting against the ultimate Sam Howe truther? Well, I mean, let, let's keep let's put the cards on the table. Dynasty Degenerates, if if I'm in six drafts with the D McNutted <laughs> and it's the back half of the first, you can you can believe that Mike is gonna take him ahead of me. He has he has there is no shout of a doubt. There is absolutely zero as far as where he is in his heart with Sam Howe. So I believe that the two shares are with Mike. I, I would have liked to have taken him, but um, we talked about Kenny Pickett, Mike, and, you know, Matt Corral. Like, there, there was a draft, Mike, where I'm thinking when I had the 10 spot, I'm thinking, okay, Sam Howell is where I'm going to shoot my shot. Like, this is going to be my chance where I get to show my Sam Howe love because Mike is our – everybody knows about Mike Sam Howe love. And guess what? these fuckers let me have Matt Corral at pick 10. So I, I can't take Sam Howell at 10. So that's that. kind of what happened as far as um, my positioning. Now, Jamison Williams for me was a guy that I knew going in to this, that weekend, right? Last weekend, I knew going in that it was going to be extremely unlikely that I end up with Jamison Williams. And I think this is a good segue because there are some guys lower that I'm higher on than Jamison Williams, especially just become because of the injury that Jamison Williams is going to have coming out of that bowl game that we talked about a little bit last episode. And Mike, this gets to once again, skewing the data. When I start thinking about this, the very next player dynasty degenerates off the board at 12.33 gentleman by the name of George Pickens out of Georgia, physical freak type wide receiver, was discussed for a while as maybe the best player in the entire class, certainly at the top of the wide receiver position, gets hurt. And now Mike and I are sitting here beating the drum for this late-round receiver, George Pickens, because in six drafts, in six drafts, Dynasty Degenerates, guess who walked away with a total of five? So the 12.33 could very well be too low of a number he may have went later but there was no chance that mike and i were going to let him fall past 14 was the latest he went and i know for sure that was me and arkham mike let's talk to the people about george pickens where you are you and i are and and where we think he should be drafted pre-nfl draft yes i definitely rank george pickens we talked about it before i rank george pickens over Jameis Williams, even though that may be sacrilegious, no matter how much Jameis and Williams love I have from a value perspective, what's going to happen to a guy who's got to sit out multiple weeks, giving zeros may come back and start slow. I have a good feeling about what that's going to do to his dynasty value in season. If I want to move him, George Pickens, on the other hand, already recovered from his ACL can work out, can do the combine going to take part in OTAs, going to take part in rookie minicamp, going to take part in training camp, play in the preseason, right? He's going to have time to put stuff on wax to increase his value depending on where he goes and how he performs. So I would like those odds a little bit better. Even though if both of them were completely healthy, I would probably lean to the Jamison Williams just because I do love that guy as a prospect so much. Like we've been on him for a while. The ACL changes things. So you and I both rank George Pickens over Jamison Williams. The market hasn't caught up to that. 
and this is kind of where we were able to exploit it to our advantage. Not the ADP did get skewed because we're trapped it in here. We just happen to own these picks. So George Pickens, 13, 11, 14, 13, 11, 12. And like you had mentioned, five out of six drafts, we walk away with, with George Pickens. So I don't know how much later he would have gone. I think this is the appropriate range, but even on ADP we've done with the patrons where we're not always picking at the 112. George Pickens is a pretty solid pick there, so I think this is still fair, even though that you and I are picking there. The one draft, George Pickens goes 11, and I end up picking at 12 in the 201, right? Pick 13. Just for my sake, (laughs) so the numbers look right for me. I end up taking Jahan Dotson first and then Jamison Williams. Oh, there's that's really skewing the data. And I like what you did there. Very so, yeah, well done. That's why you have Jamison Williams with a low of 13, because that's on me because I took Dotson at 12. Jamison Williams. Jamison at 13. Just to okay. I don't know. I just thought about this while we're doing this, Mike. I don't know how Ray got to like how he actually gets to the my guys thing. You know, when he does his rankings, they'll be the lock my guy. Yeah. But I guess the 4D would be like what we're actually doing in, in the streets, so to speak. And I guess by default, George Pickens has to be considered a my guy. Yeah, George Pickens has to be on the my guy list. I think anything where we get four, four, five shares between us out of six drafts, I think they're just automatically locked uh, yeah. into my guys, right? So Matt Corral's going to fall. got the 4D stamp on it. I love that. I love Matt Corral's going to fall in there. 4D approved. Check. Boom. Right? The seal Isaiah of Spiller. approval. Isaiah Spiller, 4D seal of approval. And, of course, the, the winner, the big winner, George Pickens, is for sure 4D seal of approval. He gets the stamp five out of six shares. And, and, and I'm he, pretty he sure. He rounds I'm, out the first round for us in ADP. Correct. And I'm pretty sure, Mike, that, that the reason we didn't get six is because neither one of us just happened to be positioned in the back half of that one. Neither one of us had won or, or had traded for that pick, so. Somehow somebody else got us there, but five That's out of six, fine. about as good as you can get, man. 83%. Well, we'll take it. All right. It, it's good. We're good to go. We're, we're hot from deep. We're, we're doing all right. Let's all move on to the 201. We're going to stop about the 205. The, the guys that we feel really matter. We're, we're going to dive sure. in more deeper on a different episode for the patrons when we get into rounds two, three, four, five like the real crusty guys were the deep sleepers we're going to spend time we're going to go over that we'll go over with patrons but for you guys the important ones the ones that are really going to matter make or break your team are these guys these one through 17 players so one that i think that shocked both of us probably a little bit because maybe we we have too much hate (laughs) we're not as high I will I will draft this guy if I have to, but I'm not actively trying to acquire him. But it's Chris Olave, clear cut, locked away, two hundred one. And I don't, I I honestly I honestly think if you and I didn't have any picks in the back half of the first round, the back part, the elevens, the twelves, yeah, it wouldn't be a, a stretch of the imagination to say that maybe Chris Olave slots in and ADP wise as the one twelve and not George Pickens. Oh, oh, definitely. And that's what I mean by skewing the data is Dynasty Degenerates, when we go through this, I mean, Mike and I have George Pickens ahead of Chris Olave, 
And it clearly shows when we have five of the six shares at 12.33, very close at 12.67 when you do the six, you know, the six drafts and you do the average, the ADP for him. Chris Olave, which Mike and I have zero shares of now, remember, he's slotting in at 12.67. Chris Olave essentially, Mike, is a, he is a first round startup pick today. Like, I think that's what this exercise showed me the most. And while maybe I'm not bullish on Chris Olave, I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm more the opposite. I didn't expect to go into this weekend completely out. I was just expecting more of that 204-205 range, Mike, is where I was thinking that maybe I'd be forced to take an Olave share. Th- this showed me that that's, that's not going to happen. If... If Alave is your guy, if Alave is who you're targeting, like he's a first round startup pick, or I'm sorry, rookie pick in this 22 class. And t- to me, honestly, Mike, I don't have an issue with Chris Alave in that top 16, 17 picks, but seeing that he's probably going to be pick 12, pick 11, you know, that range, I, this is very true for both you and I, where we're just not going to have any shares of it. And, and ultimately, I think that even makes having those top 15 picks that much more valuable because, as you're going to see as we get down later, those are the spots you're going to be able to take your shot on. Does Ritter get first-round draft capital? Uh, we're higher on Dotson than Alave. If you believe that Watson is going to get the correct draft capital with all the athleticism he showed, those are spots you can get those guys, those first 15, 16 picks. So these early seconds, Mike, in 22, in this class that was supposed to be not very good, I, I really love those picks. So Alave has a high draft position of 11. He went 111 in one of these rookie drafts we did and a low of 15, so 203. I, it's, I, didn't, I, I didn't anticipate it either, man. I didn't anticipate him go. I was really thinking 202, 203, 204, somewhere in that range. Somebody's going to take Chris Alave. I think the one thing I really wanted to point out is this is Chris Olave before any kind of Chris Olave bump hype. What happens if Chris Olave gets drafted as the first NFL, uh, first rookie receiver in the NFL draft off the board? Good. That's going to bump him up, right? Uh, what happens if Chris Olave does slip down the draft a little bit, but he goes to Kansas City or he goes to Green Bay? He's going to go up some spots. Has to at this point. So this is Chris Olave without any of that extra juice behind it, which was right. the real shocking part to me right. when I'm thinking about it. Like I I didn't anticipate people being so much higher on Chris Olave than, than you are. I, I thought we were all kind of, he's fine. Like I, I don't hate him. He's definitely in that that first part of that the second round. Guys, I will take if I, if I have to. I'm not actively trying to get him, but if I, he ends up on my team, cool. I'm not I'm not mad. I'm not upset about it, but I'm not as excited to push the button as I am for a George Pickens or a Jahan Dotson. So, yeah, him clear cut 201, and I really think it should be the 112 if you and I aren't factored into this and taking all the George Pickens that we can in the world. Well, that was shocking to me. Exactly. And you touching on that actually brings me to the last point I want to make on this is 
the reason we're giving this information to you dynasty degenerate out there 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 is such a difference mike and, and the more we talked about what actually happened we were doing these drafts simultaneously all right there was it was fun man that was a hell of a lot of fun going back and forth where are you, what are you doing in this league doing in that league mindsets you know productive struggle am i winning what am i doing but when you start really thinking about what transpired mike i think the big takeaway for me when we, especially like right here with Alave and what's happening you can do mocks all you want to and, and i do think it's a good exercise to practice where you value people and potentially what others are valuing too but there is nothing that can replicate real money drafts and that's what we're talking about here there's real money on the line and when real money's on the line i know it's only six drafts but it's enough of a sample size to at least discuss on a podcast chris Olave is essentially a first round rookie pick right or wrong whatever the whatever the reasoning when the money's on the line chris Olave is being drafted in the first round the biggest thing that i had like the takeaway coming away from these and what was so helpful in me doing this is getting the the clear sense of the tiers. And and it's a clear sense of the tiers on what you just mentioned, because there is money on the line. People are making decisions. They have paid for these leagues. They have invested. They're trying to win these leagues, or they're trying to go whatever direction it is, but they are trying to actively build a team while paying money. They're not just random dudes in a mock draft. As much as we want people to to participate in mock drafts so we can get a wide range of opinions, right? In a mock draft, there's no pressure on it. Right? You're not going, if I if I fuck up this pick, there goes $50 or there goes $100. Stop the drink, right? In a mock draft, if I fuck up this pick or I auto this pick or I make some, you know, mock bad trade, whatever, there's there's no consequences. People People make fun of you for a minute and then they just move on with their lives. You do this. You, you can literally set your team up for failure for multiple years. So this is this was very important. I, I wish the sample size was 15. Maybe one day we'll have 15 best ball leagues that draft pre-NFL rookie drafted. When I, I go say, back and do the ADP, I'll I wouldn't figure say, out an easier situation to put it all in. But I wouldn't say maybe. I, I would just say when, not, not <laughs> if, you know. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It's gonna be one. My, my, Mike's got me doing, you know, startups simultaneously already in March. I mean, we we had six. Uh, believe me, Dynasty Degenerates, this will be much bigger than six. <laughs> Wait, by next season, it will be significantly different than six. I promise you. All right. So Chris Olave was the big shocker, of course. You mentioned earlier, neither one of us walked away with any any exposure to Chris Olave. None. Next one off the board, Desmond Ritter. 202, Desmond Ritter. He has a high draft position of 13, and his lowest he went, the latest he went, was 16. Yep. So the 204. What are your thoughts on Desmond Ritter? Because you didn't end up with any Desmond Ritter. I walked away with two shares. I was comfortable enough just to push the button on Desmond Ritter in the early part of the second round. I'd kind of been hinting at it. We'd been talking about it when we're doing – the shit show or talk about the Patreon, some on 4D that Desmond Ritter is kind of a guy in these pre-rookie drafts. It's 202. There's a lot of smoke around this guy getting first round draft capital. And even though I'm not a huge Desmond Ritter as a prospect, excited about him as a quarterback kind of thing, if he's going as a first round NFL quarterback, 
Sign me up at the 202, baby. I mean, let, 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 let's let's tell the people. I mean, I'm pretty sure both the times you took him, it was right before me. And the reason I don't have any Desmond Ritter is because Mike took the chances I had. We obviously, as we said, we prefer George Pickens to Desmond Ritter. And that was more often than not where I took my shot in that early second or late first. I was hoping to get more Ritter. Obviously, um, more than zero would just be any. So I did not get any Desmond Ritter. I think that this is about correct, especially pre-NFL draft. Listen, I mean, he is in Sam Howell's, you know, Sam Howell light, I guess. Um, If Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter both get first-round draft capital, both of them, Sam Howell at 10.67 goes up. Desmond Ritter at 14.5 goes up. It's it's not rocket science. And, And if they don't go in the first round, they're going down. So I think it's appropriate because, like, what you're missing out on Below, outside, I think for you and I would be Jahan Dotson, who's the next off the board at 14.67. They're they're neck and neck at 202-203. Outside of him, I think what you're missing below, given there's a chance that Ritter does go in the first round, we've seen enough mocks for him to go in the first round. There's enough buzz for that to still be a possibility. Outside of Dotson, th- th- I cannot truly make an argument for taking any one of these players ahead of Ritter because if if everything breaks right, this is what Mike and I like to do when we do our rankings. If everything breaks right for Ritter or Watson or Rashad White or Sky Moore in the draft, Desmond Ritter's the biggest winner. So that that I think is where, where he's being drafted makes – a ton of sense. I just unfortunately was not positioned or drafted someone else before I could get to get my hands on Desmond Ritter, the big hands. Full transparency too for the Desmond Ritter that I did take, the, the two that I'm exposed to. George Pickens went at 11. Jahan Dotson went in 12 in that draft. Jamison Williams went at 13, my pick. And then the next pick I made, Desmond Ritter. Right, I hit them all right in a row. The only one of consequence that I took Desmond Ritter before, the aforementioned Chris Olave, which gave him the low draft position in that league of 15. So the other league where I took Desmond Ritter, Jahan Dotson went right before him. George Pickens was already off the board. I chose Desmond Ritter over – this is at the 203. I chose Desmond Ritter over. My next choice would have been Christian Watson, right? So that's the one I leapfrog. Neither Pickens – Dotson were available when I took Desmond Ritter, and that's how I would draft it still today. I, I like Desmond Ritter. I want to take a shot on him, but if I'm staring at George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, give me those two guys. Clear cut, I hit the button, and I just move on with my life. So Desmond Ritter does come in at the 202 just on ADP, but right behind him, very close, again, needle separation between these two, Jahan Dotson. So yep. Jahan Dotson comes in at the 203 in ADP. He has a low of 16, where he went three times, and a high of 12. I'm responsible for that one. <laughs> That's the Jameson, infamous Jameson Williams one. The other two spots were 14. So, Jahan Dotson, uh, you walk away with two shares. I walk away with one, 50%. We have all, you know, 50% of the Jahan Dotson. I would have liked to have more, but yeah. it just wasn't in the cards. 
Yeah, I think I think too. Um, skewing the data, I know that three is only half, but like you said, you took him at twelve. I know certainly one of those fourteens was my doing. So this is another one that like you and I. These are our guys, right? Like you and I really like Jahan Dotson. I don't know that he goes below Christian Watson, but there might be a little more. If you and I aren't participating in these drafts, there might be a little bit more of a gap between Ritter and John Dotson. To me, Dotson for me is 12 in our, our rankings. I think we're both there with Dotson. I really like the kid out of Penn State. I I love, would love to get as many shares as I possibly could of this guy. Um, but there's also, there there's, we talk about, Mike, there was talk about how bad this class is. There's so many people in this top 15 range that I want to get shares of. So it's, I got to pick, you know, I got to pick. I love it. I, I love the top 15 and I really do like the top 17. Being yeah. The way it stands right now, I'm comfortable at various spots, right? Everything has a value. Everything has a, a place where I'm comfortable taking a certain player, even Chris Olave. I can talk down all I want about Chris Olave, but if I'm on the board and all the guys I like, the Ritter, the the Pickens, the Jahan Dotson have gone before Chris Olave, I'm taking Chris Olave. I'm comfortable taking him at a certain spot. So Jahan yeah. Dotson slides in there. Well, Mike, real, look, real quick. Yeah. Talk, talk to the people because I know you just did this and I would like to you know have you tell them why the top 15 actually does matter because you just made a trade. Go ahead and tell everybody the Dynasty Degenerates the trade you made to slide into the top 15 and to slide from five to three. So when I talked about earlier tiers and seeing how things have played out and just getting a feel for the draft on where certain players, what ranges are going to be, who you're going to be comfortable with, I made a move where I traded Michael Carter, the 105 and the 205, and in return I got the 103 in the 203. So on the surface, man, you gave up Michael Carter, a first and a second, and in return, you got a first and a second. You moved up two spots in the first, you moved up two spots in the fifth, and it cost, or two spots in the second, and it cost you Michael Carter. Maybe steep to some, but when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Kenny Walker. I'm comfortable with all three of those guys. My worst case scenario, Kenny Walker, is the pick that I make at the 103. I would much rather build a team with Kenny Walker as my RB2 than what was my RB2 in Michael Carter. Now, could I get an Isaiah Spiller at five? Absolutely. We've shown that's happened. But what happens if Isaiah Spiller doesn't get the draft capital? Well, then he's yeah. not in the conversation for me taking him at a five. I really don't want him. Right. Is there another running back I can get at that spot? Like yeah. I have to rely on people being dumb above me at 103 104 passing on Kenny Walker for me to get him at 105 I lock in Kenny Walker if something even crazier happens and somebody takes Kenny Walker too which we have seen I feel good about having Malik Willis on my team or or maybe it's a breeze hall maybe it's some strange thing he slips to three I I want to see those drafts where it happens I don't think it's going to happen but I'm sure there'll be like one or two out there where somebody will do something stupid but it's not just the first round pick. The big thing for me was the second round pick as well, because we just professed our love for George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, the, Des the Desmond Ritter. 
like I want I want to get this out because it just happened in the startup I'm in. You're not in the startup, okay? And I kind of want to get to like if we weren't in these. I, I'm one of I'm only one, not two, in all these drafts. Two of twelve people in all six of these drafts were Mike and I, right? Mike, this just this was the pick that just happened while we're doing 4D. Seven oh two. Chris Olave just went off the board. Okay. The reason I want to say that is I want to tell you who he went ahead of. This is Superflex 12 team tight end premium best ball start 12. Matt Corral is still on the board. Ooh. Kenny Pickett is still on the board. Ooh. Brandon Ayuk is still on the board. Rashad Bateman is still on the board. George Damn. Pickens is still on the board. That's who I have in my queue. Um, I'm in Ross St. Brown is still on the board. Kirk Cousins is still on the board. Your boy Sam Howell is still on the board, right? Like Mike Evans is still on the board. There's a lot of players that made sense, though, ahead of a Chris Olave. And my point is just Chris Olave, I just want everyone listening, Dynasty Degenerates, to realize that Chris Olave, whether you love him or don't, he is being valued very high at the moment. And I think the 4D perspective, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't say proceed with caution with whether a startup or a rookie draft where you're going to have to select Chris Olave. Listen, if he hits and he's an awesome wide receiver in the NFL and I miss out on that, I'm okay. But where you're going to have to take him, he better be pretty good, man. He better be pretty good. Yeah, where you slotted him in with all the people still available, I mean, that's putting him in the 109 yeah. 108 range. Yeah. In a super flex rookie draft. Like if this was just rookies and you're looking at it, I mean, you're looking at him being the the, the eighth, the ninth rookie off the board in that draft, which is a little shocking. I thought 201 was spicy. Maybe the 112. Now you got four, three, four more spots ahead of that. Kind of wild. So Jahan Dotson, we just touched on him. Let's get to another little bit of a, a tear break. I think after the Alave, Ritter, Dotson tier, I think there's another mini tier of two people right now, two players. The first one being Christian Watson. And he had, he slotted in at 15.5 for us. He has a low draft position of 17 and a high draft position of 14. You, Adam, yourself walked away with one share of Christian Watson. How are you feeling about that? Do you remember where you took him actually in that in that draft? Were you the 17? I'm pretty sure I, that was AAF that I got him at 17, and I was really excited because that's one of those. If you're listening, remember AAF and Snake Balls were the two leagues which I was pushed in all the way. Right, I just so happened to position myself to get a second after the season was over, trying to you know find a way to cheat my way into some you know 22 darts and. When I got Christian Watson at 17, like I was I was really happy because I was thinking he wasn't gonna be there. I uh, I'd love to have more of him, honestly. I just I didn't walk away with any. I don't know if it was positioning. I, I like the player. I would have liked to take some shots on him. I just don't know how it it worked out. I didn't I didn't wind up with any Christian Watson. Maybe I'll I'll make some moves post draft and we'll see if we can't get one or two, you know, just make myself feel good. So. Yeah. I think too, Mike, um, when I when I rethink about this and the Watson especially, um, I, I'm pretty sure the two shares I got of Dotson were far later than I was thinking he would be there. So it was also one of those where 
I'm I'm every single time I'm going to take Dotson ahead of Watson, although I love Watson. I think that's why I only got the one share was because it was just one of those where he fell to my lap in 17. Very, very understandable. And the last one that we'll touch on tonight, the last one of the premium picks I think deserves to be talked about, Rashad White. Definitely. Definitely Rashad White. Again, another running back with draft capital concerns, but the talent is there. And definitely a good spot to take him because he slotted in as the 205 at ADP in these rookie drafts that we did. Uh, He has a low of pick 20. A little bit steep there. Kind of shocking that he fell to pick 20. Generally, the other ones are pretty consistent. 17, 17, 17, 18, and 19. So the pick 20, a little bit of an outlier there. Generally, you're looking at that 17, 18 range, I would think would be a pretty safe bet for him. So Rashad White, uh, you walked away with two shares. I walked away with one. And I'm not really sure the context of where I got him in the one. I think it was probably the similar thing, like a league that I kind of pushed all in and just kind of walked away with a random mid-second round pick somewhere. Right. Like, oh, oh, Rashad, yeah, I'll add him as like my RB5 or 6 or whatever the case may be. So, Well, Mike, I mean, especially you think about what we were talking about when we did our first – when we started 4D, it's months ago now, right? Like when the season ended, if you were a contender – 22 class had just slander, right? So you, you could go get a mid-second. Gosh, for what, Mike? Almost nothing. Something you, we didn't care about. I remember trading away, I believe it was Jared Goff. In one of these leagues, I traded away Jared Goff on a QB horn oh, or pseudo QB. And I got two second-round picks, like the 208 and the 205 or something like that. Because people were just giving away like candy. This class is boo-boo i don't want any of these players right here have the 205 it'll be a shitty pick you don't have to worry about it so dynasty degenerates if your mind's where i'm at and you're thinking how does this man sleep at night you're on the right you're on the right path and i promise you this is on wednesday night at almost 11 eastern as soon as this is over mike is going to sleep like a baby i always sleep like a baby i i really stay up at night thinking about (laughs) some of the dirty stuff that happens listen I get a lot of hate for it because I'll put these. I I promise you, people listening at home, I promise you, not all these deals are my doing, right? Sometimes a majority of the time, this crap just finds my inbox. I don't even think about it because who in their right mind would do it? I still remember that trade I made with our boy Etron, and I think it was AAF. The day Alvin Kamara got arrested, he just randomly sends me Alvin Kamara for my Daniel Jones. Like, what do I, what do I do? Uh, yes. I, I'm not even a, you know, Alvin Kamara. A thousand that, times, yes. <laughs> Alvin Kamara's that old running back I'm trying to get off of, but all oh, you're man. asking for in return is Daniel Jones. I, I can't even count. Uh, sometimes I wish I was like you, or I'd be like, let me leave the offer open. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me see. Let me see how far the rabbit hole can go down, and, and if I can get Alvin Kamara in like two seconds for Daniel Jones, oh, maybe maybe I'm savagery. savagery. When it's that good, you just say yes and you just move on, and then you sleep like a baby, right? Like I don't, yeah, I, I don't it. even, I don't gloat in the chat either. You've seen some of these deals I pulled off for Kyle Pitts lately. I don't say a damn word in the chat. I just let I let the rest of the league eat the man alive, and I'm just I'll just watch and eat some popcorn. Like this we're kind different. we're kind of deviating from finishing this whole thing up, but th- for 4D guys, I know I know there's a lot of hate because 
you know, let, let's put the cards on the table, Mike. We were not on board with taking Kyle Pitts in this early part of the first round yes. like it was yes. needed to be. We said, take a running back, take a quarterback, get yourself Pat Fryermuth in the second. And I know there's a lot of hate because now we're seeing McNutted grab three, four shares of Kyle Pitts after the fact at discounts. And there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hostility. <laughs> and, you know, nonetheless, here we are. And th- this is this is actually – it's funny. It's comical. But it, Kyle Pitts set the rookie record at tight end, Mike. Yeah. And you bought him at discounts at least two or three times. For sure. Like, I know it's it, it's funny and it's comical because the ridiculous deal is you, you bent someone over. But, like, it, it actually still kind of goes to what we were saying. Like, even if he's really good, you, you might be able to buy him back later. We would have never thought you'd be buying Kyle Pitts after the rookie season he had. Well, the one league that I bought him in is a two tight end premium league with a half point bonus to tight ends, right? Or a, a, start, a start two tight end with a half point bonus to the scoring. Right, where he should be valued even a little bit more. A little higher, right. And uh, apparently I mean, he, he, I, all it cost me was Deshaun Watson, and I get Kyle Pitts in a 24 first. And, and, and somehow, Dynasty Generous, the first is on the Pitts side. Like, like let's just <laughs> – Kyle Pitts is a – I've been in startups. I've seen startups that I'm not in. You know, shout out Destination Debbie. They got the multiverse going on right now. Love the name. There, There is not a first round that I have seen – where Kyle Pitts has escaped, Mike, since the 22 no. startups have happened. No. He's a first-round startup pick in tight end premium leagues. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Kyle Pitts. All right, let me recap this real quick. So, at one, Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Kenny Walker, Isaiah Spiller, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Sam Howell, George Pickens, Chris Olave, Desmond Ritter, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, and Rashad White. Your first 17 picks. Let's get you to the 205, 12-team league. These these drafts, too, if I haven't mentioned, I, I, I think if you know Adam and I, we don't play one quarterback. These are 12-team, super flex leagues with some sort of tight end premium. I think the only one that has something that may change values, you're not going to see it in the rookie draft, is that one league where it's a start two tight end with a tight end premium. Maybe the, the Trey McBride's, the – the later dart throw tight ends, you know, when we do this episode for the Patreons, patreon.com forward slash, yeah, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Come check it out for a dollar. When we do that show for them and we get into these deeper rounds, you might see the tight ends in, in that league get pushed up a little bit more, especially those late dart throw ones. But generally, all these leagues scoring is pretty much the same across the board. 12-team Superflex, tight end premium. This is this is your first 17 picks. I I – I expected these to be the first 17 picks. I will say the one that stood out the most to me was Chris Olave. And as I get more time, I'm going to dig into more Chris Olave. I I want to make sure that my take, my feeling on Chris Olave, my ranking on Chris Olave is correct. And I didn't miss something because judging by the ADP, judging by what's happened, judging by what you're talking about in that startup draft, there are some people who have some very strong opinions on Chris Olave and are willing to take him very early. So maybe this is the uh, the Chris Olave wake up call for us. Maybe we're too low on Chris Olave. I want to make sure, and maybe maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm right, and I'm not too low on Chris Olave. But this is enough of an indicator to go. I need to I need to check something. Let's make sure the wires are connected right. 4D is functioning properly. This whole calculator thing is going well. 
batteries are charged. Let let's get it out of the way, right? So Chris Olave, I think that's solar. a perfect show title right there too. Chris Olave wake up call. Chris Olave wake up call, and this see Dynasty Degenerates. We like to bring stuff like this to you that's actionable, that's real, like everything we want to do on 4D. And if you want to come check us out in our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon, the bulk of everything we want to bring at the end of the day is to give you all the information possible so that you can go apply it to your leagues and make yourself the best dynasty player possible. Whether you do exactly what we say or not, it's ultimately to give you the information to allow you to make the best and most informed decision for yourself based on what you want to do. That is what we want to do here at 4D. And this information right here, every single one of these leagues is at least $50 a manager, at least. So there's real money on the line. This is what the data says. Look at your mock drafts. Look at everything you have. You should do it. But this right here, this is money on the line. This is where we are at today, early part of April before the NFL draft. And I promise you that if you want to come check us out and get into some more of the microdynamics, what do I need to do to position myself in certain leagues to go get, you know, we as we just said, there's a clear tier break, Mike, right? At Garrett Wilson yeah. at pick eight. What do I need to do to go get to pick eight? What do I need to go do to get to pick three? Kenny Walker. If you're interested in some of the microdynamics, come check us out on the Patreon. And if not, please remember once a week, we're going to come back here for one hour every single week. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it. We're out of here. Me included. Bruce Buffer signing off. Have a good one. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Thank you.